When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, good afternoon. Welcome to Phoenix Nation. It's three past three. Thanks to Oppo, of course, as always. And uh, Oppo are bringing us a bunch of interviews today. Stephen Ugarkovich from the Wellington Phoenix men's team. Uh, He's going to join us from the airport as they get ready to fly over to Melbourne to take on the Melbourne Victory on Friday night. We'll also talk to Paul Temple, who is the Academy Director for the Wellington Phoenix and, as of yesterday, the New Zealand men's under-23 coach for the two games against China coming up in March. Those games are going to be curtain raisers for the All Whites games against China as well. So uh, the road to Paris and the Olympics is well underway and uh, under the guidance, for a start at least, of Paul Temple, who will join us a little bit later on in the show, but we've gone big. We've gone big to start the show. We've got the big dog, the big boss man, the general manager of the Wellington Phoenix, David Dome with us. Uh, g'day, Domi. How's things, mate? Yeah, kia ora, Ricardo. Yeah, good, mate. Very good. That's a story now. I know you've gone full dog on VAR and on the uh, on the officials yeah. in, the, in the A-League. That came out this week. Have you had any joy from your conversations with them? No. Short answer is No. Uh, disappointing in that we got we finally got a response to our queries to Nathan McGill, who's head of referees in Football Australia. Um, and essentially, I'm going to put it wrap it up into a nutshell. Essentially, they agreed that the VR should not have been uh, got involved for the upgrade of the yellow to a red for Tim Payne, but then said there is nothing more they can do about it once it's gone to MRP, which is a match review panel. There is no there is no change in that decision. So very very disappointing. We tried a legal angle through a, a lawyer in in Australia that we were hopeful could find something in the contract between the clubs and Football Australia which would allow a right of appeal to the player, because we believe that the employer this in this case the guy the the, the body that you know um, manages the regulations being Football Australia has essentially said, look, Tim, you can't play this weekend, even though the reason you cannot play is wrong. Um, and we everyone admits that it's wrong, you still cannot play. And we thought that was a legal challenge was available there, but there is nothing in the contract which would allow what they call natural justice. So extremely disappointed for Tim, extremely disappointed for the club. Um, but we go into the game against Melbourne Victory on Friday night with no Tim Payne at centre-back. Yeah, no Tim Payne, no, no Scott Wooten neither. So, I mean, it couldn't have happened at a worse position, really, could it? And I think that was part of it, was that we're very disappointed in that we've been handicapped once again by the officiating, who has done a magnificent job of, of um, um, ruling against Wellington Phoenix. Because the other one, of course, that we, we queried was the Mickey Robertson goal, that the women who were down to 10 players... Mm miraculously fought back to, to draw with Brisbane Raw away and could have won it at the death for a goal which they are saying are offside. Um, and we're querying that and we don't think it was offside. So, yeah, coming back to the men's game, very disappointed with a number of centre-backs out. We'll now start with, you know, probably, and I don't know, I haven't seen the team lineup. I don't even know if Oofy's decided on his team lineup. But, you know, you've probably got, you know, a Finn Sermon and, and, and a Lawsy-Josh Laws combination there, which is what you'll do. A magnificent job. Those guys are full of fight and determination and heart, um, but lacking in experience.
Yeah, and I guess the other thing is, if one of them pulls a hammy, then where do you go? I mean, how much depth have you really got on the bench at centre-back? Not, not a lot. We've probably got some players. I think you saw Roos fill in there last weekend in Palmerston. He dropped back into the back line. Um, and I think they were looking at taking over young Isaac Hughes, who is a very, very good centre-back in our academy, and they were looking at, at him. Um, I haven't caught up with um, the football ops guys to see whether that happened yet, but they were certainly an option they were looking at, just in case, as you say, one of those players goes down with an injury. Mm. Uh, and, of course, the, the uh, Clayton Lewis's injury doesn't help you either, does it? Uh, especially if you're going to get Rufa to go back and play centre-back because uh, then it just leaves you really Ugarkovic and Pennington as your recognised midfielders to, to play those six roles. Absolutely, and that, that's you know they are good, very very good players. But it does it, it is stretching us. There is no doubt. Like you get to the start, the stage of the season when you're over just over halfway, when injuries still do start to take toll, and to a certain extent suspensions. But what is disappointing is when the suspension shouldn't have happened. Mm. It, it just taxes you even further. And this is, you know, this is the argument we had with um, in in the game that um, Pennington was sent off. Is if you're going to send off a player, you have to be very very certain that that was a, a, a Sending, are sending off and saying with um, sorry Bojana Krayov who got the second yellow yeah. um, you know that was the case that we made the officials at that time and we said look yeah you know you, you give him a, a yellow the first time and the second one was a bit innocuous you know are you absolutely sure that's worth a yellow and then a red and they agreed and then at that time again they agreed that it was that potentially those, those two yellows should not have been awarded but it, you, you, there's no recourse Mm. Even though they admit they got it wrong, there is no recourse once it happens. Yeah, I mean, because the other one was, and I think you touched on it there, was was Pennington as well. I mean, uh, when he got sent off, I didn't think he'd actually done much wrong. I, I couldn't understand why it wasn't just Max Burgess that got sent because Pennington was effectively just kind of trying to keep him at arm's length and defend himself. Yeah, and that's our, that was our point exactly. And again, we're at the, you know, it's a call that the refs are making and, and we feel like as a club we've been on the receiving end of a number of very poor decisions. You go way back to the first game of the season when Jan Sars was sent off when he yeah. slipped. Um, you know, it's extremely disappointing, but there is such a limited and, and we've taken it on board now. Well, we're gonna it's a, as a club, we're gonna agitate for a, an amendment to those regulations so there isn't a right of appeal before it goes to the MRP. Because the MRP can't rule on whether a red card stands or is rescinded. All it can do is re, um, rule on what is put in front of them, which is that incident at that time. And as you saw with Tim Payne's one, he got the minimum sanction, which is one game. So you, you, you can't appeal that because you can't go from one to zero because they can't. that would essentially be rescinding the red card and they, and they can't do that. Um, so yeah, the, the regulations um, don't make sense. They're nonsensical. And so now we have to we have to agitate to get them changed to have some concept of you know regu- uh, of fair play in the whole process. How does that that work at uh, at, at board level for the A League? Yeah. So well, at the at the moment the regulations start with uh, the regulations are owned by Football Australia. So currently the officials are managed by Football Australia. What we want to do is bring them across to APL so they come under our auspices and not the Football Australia's. But in the interim, what we've got to do now is um, agitate with um, APL. And I've spoken to Danny Townsend a number of times and Gregor Rourke a number of times the last couple of days, and they're supportive of us and helping us get, make, get these changes made. Well, I say us, it should actually be the APL getting these changes made. So now we've just got to push that through. Um, and then they have to now approach the uh, Football Australia to get those changes made. Hmm, interesting. All right. Uh, now, um, I also wanted to ask you a couple of other things, uh, David. Obviously, we've just had the, the transfer window shut in Europe. Um, is that something that you guys 
guys were looking at at all? Were you were you looking at adding anybody? Uh, given you know you've you've had a couple of injuries and and of course uh, you lost Ben Wayne uh, to to Plymouth for for a, for a decent chunk of change as well. Yeah, I mean we've got a couple more days to go in our window. We we were looking at a couple of options, especially as you say because we've now become a bit light in in, in defence. Um, one option didn't come off. Um, it's not to say we've given up, but. You know, I think we're pretty cautious at this time of year. Um, we still have budgets that we have to work to, and, and it's been tight for us this year financially. Um, so, look, if the right... I mean, Ufi and Sean Gill, you know, director of football, they're always looking at options and always looking at, you know, where is, is there value out there? Uh, we never really stop looking. Um, and like you say, the windows come open and, and, and they, we can make inquiries. Look, I'm... I'm I'm not saying we're, we're going to sign anyone in the window. I'm not saying we're not going to sign in the window, but I think it's probably odds on that it's unlikely we'll sign anyone now. Um, but, you know, it, it all depends on on where Ufi goes in the next couple of days, I'd suggest. Mm, yeah, all right. And, and on Ufi, I mean, obviously we've had a bit of a debacle uh, in the press around the All Whites job. Um, and, you know, he was um, told that they were looking uh, in another direction. Do you know if now that this has blown up, uh, whether or not he would consider it again? I see that uh, there, are, there are some reports that he said that ship has sailed. Yeah, so he did uh, He did some interviews at the airport before he flew out. Um, and as you, as you quite rightly point out, it also blew up this morning with um, New Zealand football's preferred candidate or what people are saying was the preferred candidate. And, of course, Ufi was told by via email earlier in the week that he wasn't um, in the line uh, to be the head coach. So um, if he's not the preferred candidate and somebody else was, it's a huge, you know, it's, I don't know, it's, it's very disingenuous now to go back and come back to Ufi. I think it would be very difficult for him as a coach to now be reapproached. Mm. Um, and I haven't spoken to him uh, since with, it all blew up this morning. Um, but, you know, I, I, I can totally understand his sentiment that he feels that if he was going to be the preferred candidate, he would be it. Um, and if he's not and he's second choice, that's not how he would want to be respected as a, as a coach. Yeah. I mean, you obviously, um, as an organisation, work reasonably closely with New Zealand football. We've seen that with, you know, the Paul Temple appointment as well. Um does this, uh, I guess, jeopardise the future of Ufuk as the coach of the Phoenix at all? Not from our perspective in terms of us wanting Ufi to stay. 100% we'd want Ufi to stay. Ufi has stated publicly that he's an ambitious coach and he wants to go to the next level in his career, which we totally support. He's a very talented coach. He deserves to go to the next step. We thought a, a joint role with New Zealand football would suit Ufi and us, and I thought would be an outstanding. You know, as, as a football fan, I think he would make an outstanding head coach of the All Whites. He knows, you know, half of the players. He knows all the players coming through in the under twenties through our academy structure. He understands the con. He's been in New Zealand now for well, almost six years. Uh, he understands the culture. He's very heavily involved in our Tikonga Māori program here that we're rolling out. Uh, just and he's a terrific, terrific player manager. Um, I think you do in the way that he's got the Phoenix playing, you know, we're punching well above our weight mm. in terms of A-League. You know, I think what he could achieve with the all would be magnificent, but New Zealand football, you know, for whatever reason, have gone a different way. They've never really engaged with us. I've reached out to uh, New Zealand football a few times to try and have the discussions around what a joint role would look like, uh, a dual role would look like, as we had with Ricky. 
I mean, no doubt that the 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 demands on a all-white head coach are probably more these days than it was with Ricky, but we were totally open for that conversation. But at no time did New Zealand football reach out and say, look, if, if he was going to be the head coach, this is how we were going to see it play out. Um, so that says to me that perhaps Pupi was, wasn't really um, a serious contender for them. Mm, interesting, interesting. All right, David, and, uh, just before I let you go, of course the women didn't have a, have a week off this week uh, with a bye. Um, how happy are you guys uh, at the club with the way that Natalie's taken this job on um, in, the, in the second season? Uh, you recruited well, but you know, the, I guess you'd say that the results haven't really been there where maybe you expected them to be? Until recently. Yeah. Uh, the last two games have been magnificent. You know, um, you cannot fault. We had a session with um, with Nat after the game, after the, the, the last home game. Um, and then, sorry, the one before Canberra. And then she turned it around. And, and she came through that. She was explaining her philosophy. She explained where she believed she'd made mistakes in the lead up to this campaign. She made a lot of sense. And then she rolled out a team that beat Canberra 5-0 and played some fantastic football. Then she goes across to Brisbane, goes down to 10 players. Um, and do you know what? Should have won that game. You know, but to get a draw in, the, in that circumstance after being 2-0 down, just fantastic. You know, she's they're, they're, it's still a very, very young team. There's still work to be done, but she's building a really, really good culture. Uh, she's got, you know, good people around her to help out. She's working very – she's talking to Ufi all the time, which is something we wanted to see. It's a good integration across the club. We're really pleased by how it's all playing out. I mean, we scored, what, you know, three goals in seven, and now we've scored eight goals in two games. Mm. That's an improvement. And if you look at the stats in terms of the we're, the number of points we got halfway through the season compared to last year, uh, the number of goals we scored, do you know what I mean? We're, we're actually, it's, we have improved over the, the, this time last year, we have actually improved, you know, like for like comparison. So, and like I say, we're absolutely gutted for her and the team in the, in the Brisbane Raw results. So we're very, very comfortable now with, with Nat and where she's at with that team. And we look forward to the rest of the season. We still think there's there's a number of wins in this season for her. Um, and like I say, uh, gutted for her that they got robbed by officiating in the, in the last game. Yeah, good to hear you say it, David. Good to hear you say it because uh, so often CEOs, GMs uh, have to feel like they sit on the fence. Uh, I appreciate your honesty, mate. Uh, we're in that hard on your sleeve. Thanks very much for your time today, mate. Really appreciate it. Go well. No, thanks for that, Ricardo. All good. Cheers. Uh, it is 17 past three here on SENZ. This is Phoenix Nations. Thanks to Oppo. When we come back, Steve Yugarkovich joins us from Wellington Airport. This is SENZ. It is Phoenix Nation. Thanks to Oppo. And uh, he used to be a member of the Oppo. Now he is very much in the yellow and black. Talking, of course, about Stephen Yugarkovich, a big part of the Wellington Phoenix midfield this season. G'day, Stephen. How are you doing? Good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Good. Uh, you're at the airport getting ready to fly to Melbourne to take on uh, the victory. Bit of an old enemy, bit of a bit of a rivalry between the two clubs. Uh, you're looking forward to that one? Yeah, looking forward to it. Um, obviously, yeah, checked in. Everyone's had some lunch, so we're just sitting around waiting to, to fly out, which would be good. Um, and then, yeah, looking forward to the game tomorrow night at Angus Park. Um, should be exciting. Mate, yeah, it should be a good one, and and one that I think it's important that we uh, pick up three points from. Yeah, uh, I mean, given where they are and uh, trying to keep the heat on Melbourne City above us. Yeah, of course. I think it's a game that we have to look at and and go to win. Um, not just the the placings on the table, but just the the league in general is quite close. So three points every week is um important at this stage of the season. Yeah, very much so, mate. Very much so. Uh, how's the squad looking, mate? And and is Tim Payne going to travel? I know that uh, David Dome is sort of talking to uh, officials about how VAR works and things. Uh, any chance Payne makes an appearance? Uh, 
Uh, I won't, I'm not going to be the one that, that says anything on that. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll let that be uh, with the higher higher powers. I'm not going to get involved in that and, and, and say anything. So I'll just keep a straight bat and, and leave that one there. Yes. <laughs> Waiting no. Waiting no. You'll let that one go through to the keeper. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good stuff, mate. Hey, uh, interesting. I thought when your, you, your signing was announced for the Phoenix... Um, it it was something that made me sit up and go. That's a really good signing for the Phoenix. Normally, uh, you know, good Australian players are your pedigree, and you're one. You are one of the best Australian midfielders running around in this competition, particularly at your age as well. They don't tend to come to Wellington. They tend to stay over in Aussie and play for the victory or play for Sydney. So, what was it that sold you on coming over to Wellington? No, I appreciate those kind words. Um, yeah, it was bit of a challenge um, on and off the field for me was a big thing um, obviously just being married I wanted to, to also get away for a year as well um, but the main factor was uh, coming playing a system that suits my, my play style um, it was something that I didn't want to just go and be another number somewhere I wanted to be important to a team and the club so that's that was my idea and, and what I'm pushing for and, and if we keep winning and, and playing well it's something that when you do do well and you, the underdog seen as the underdog, it's, it's quite encouraging and it's um, exciting as well. What about Ufuk Tale? How did he sell it to you, and 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 how has he been for you as a coach? Yeah, he's told me honestly how it is, um, uh, and it's the, the playing system and and what he expects from players, which is what I like. Um, and yeah, as a as a manager, he's probably one of the, the one of the managers that I've had that's. So invested in in the game and, and tactically um, very good. It's probably one of the, the systems that I've played in the most and said, "Wow, well, like I feel comfortable and everyone has a job." So coming down to the tactical side of things and and all that, it's he's um, he's a very good coach, I'd say. You got uh, a few different partners in midfield: um, Clayton Lewis, who's obviously injured at the moment; Alex Rufer, who's back from an injury; and, and Nicholas Pennington as well. Uh, it's, a, it's a really interesting mix. The four of you. How does your game change depending on which one of them you've partnered with? Um, I think within the system, it, it, the way we do play, it sort of limits that that you have to change your game too much when you're playing with someone else. Else, if that makes sense. Um, but. Yeah, like I said, it's it's um, Clay's very good on the ball. Uh, that's his main strength. I feel Alex is very good defensively. That's that's his um, his strength. Nichols a great all round player, and then I think I'm quite of a, a mobile player. So we all bring in something different um, whenever we're playing and whoever's playing. So I think it's it's a good dynamic. But I think we're all quite smart footballers um, when it comes to understanding the roles and the systems. So I think that's the the main biggest thing that we're all uh, switched on to the, the tactical side of things and we all understand it. So it's like if you're playing with Clayton, for example, do you find that you sit a little bit more and, and free him up and vice versa with if you're playing with Rufa, he sits and you you can play more of an eight role? Yeah, I don't, in a, in a way, yeah, sometimes, but I think it's more two sixes. It's not, if you watch the system um, and, and the games, it's, it's more so the sixes are, are there to, to recover ball and and work hard off the ball behind the scenes, which I quite like doing. And we obviously don't get recognition for that, but it's something that we all do well. Um, so, yeah, like I said, once the opportunity does go forward, we all we all try tend to take it, um, as we do with holding midfielders. So, yeah, it, things don't change too much due to the system, which is a good thing. And like I said, when other players come in, everyone knows the system, and we're quite all switched on in that department. 
Now, I, I know that you've got Croatian heritage, Stephen, and I, I watched the, uh, the the World Cup um, intently. Uh, and Marko Brozovic, uh, the way he plays, uh, sorry, Brozanovic, uh, the way he plays, yeah. uh, I think he set a, a World Cup record for the most kilometres ca- uh, covered in a match of 16.7 Ks in a match. Um, he... Your style of play reminds me a lot of him. You get up and down and, and you're all over the place and you've got an engine for days. Is is he someone that you look to? Yeah, I played against him um, when I was in Croatia, so that was something I looked back on. And he was coming through a little bit older than me, but I was fresh coming through. And he uh, he went to Inter when I was overseas, so it was, he was a big transfer there. And he's someone that I've watched for years. Yeah, he's a very hard worker, does the hard stuff, but also he's He's got quality on the ball and defensively he's very good. So, yeah, he's, he's one person that the all-around footballer um, and I think any midfielder should sort of look towards. Man, that Croatian midfield just runs, doesn't it? I, I, I remember listening to different um, podcasts and different radio shows, people talking about the Croatian midfield, the legs have got to go at some point. Just never went. It was the same from the World Cup before that. Yeah, for, for the amount of people there, they've done well to find three world-class midfielders um, that have played at such a high level for so many years. Yeah, how, how was your time in Croatia, mate? And and how does that Croatian league uh, compare to the A League now? Um, I think it's quite technical over there compared to to here. He's quite physical and, and quite physically demanding playing in the summer, obviously. Um, and then yeah, I think quite technically they they are a little bit ahead due to they've grown up playing playing um, with the ball at their feet their whole lives. Whereas here you've got a range of sports that you play growing up, whereas in Croatia it's just one sport, so you sort of get it brought up just playing that one sport, and that's, that shows in the long run, I feel. You had, you had the opportunity to play for Croatia at under-19 level. Um, how was that experience for you? Yeah, it was amazing. It was my first taste of international football, um, so that was that's one of the, the my proud moments in my career that I can say I represented um, the the background of my my nationality to play for Croatia it was special. Um, it was two only two games, but it was two games that I look back on, and I'm sure when I when I do retire one day that I'll be there. It's one of the proudest moments um, to to be a, a foreigner to go over there and and break the, the under 19s within well, I think it was eight or nine months was very nice and um, rewarding. So it's something as all well. my family looks back on proudly. So that was my first little taste of international football, and then obviously had to uh, make the decision um, and I decided to go to play for Australia um, and that's something I don't look back on as well and, and something I'm very proud of. Yeah, I mean, because there have been a few, haven't there? have been a few Australian-born and raised players that have ended up representing Croatia. Is, uh, Joseph Simic, I think, is one, but I'm pretty sure there's a couple out yep. there. Yeah, there, there was a few, but Shimonich, uh, yeah, he was the number, the biggest one, obviously, playing, being at Canberra and went over and I think he he ended up playing over 100 games for the national team and one of their best ever players. So, um, yeah, he's involved in the national team and I know they were in Australia the other the other week. Um, they were just doing a Croatian tour and there was rumours that they're scouting for to try to bring talent over. So there's still a bit of uh, a bad taste in the mouth there, I feel. Uh, um, but, yeah, he was the main one that, that was the big uh, the turning point. Yeah, nice, mate, nice. Where, whereabouts um, in Croatia is your family from, if you don't mind me asking? Um, so mum's from down the coast in Zadar and nice area and my old man's a bit rougher in the, in the mountains in Slun near Zagreb so it's about 40 minutes from Zagreb an hour from Zagreb so yeah he's uh, from more the rougher area and mum's down the coast Oh right so he's, he's, the, he's the bad boy made good your old man is that right? 
Uh, yeah, yeah, I think mum turned in. <laughs> <laughs> nice work, mate, nice work. Hey, uh, Stephen, before we let you go, uh, it'd be good to get to know you a little bit better, mate. Uh, so a couple of questions for you. Uh, when you yep. were growing up no as a kid, um, was there a club that you followed that, that you watched on TV on a Sunday morning? Uh, Arsenal and still do to this day, big Arsenal fan. So buy the jerseys, get a jersey every year. Um, so, yeah, Arsenal would be be the team for sure. Yeah, why Arsenal? How did that happen? Uh, Thierry Henry, growing up, I think me and the old man used to watch the highlight shows every Monday, um, and then, yeah, he was one that stuck with me, and my favourite number 14, favourite player, Thierry Henry, and then, yeah, just Arsenal from, since I was little. Oh, nice, mate. Nice. What about the uh, the signing of Jorginho? What do you make of that uh, at the end of the window? Well, I'm not a massive fan, but I, I can see the, the logic behind it um, and stuff like that, needing a bit of backup in that position, and obviously... They stay where they are, a bit of Champions League next year because the way Chelsea were going, they were missing out on Champions League. So I can see the and a bit of experience is what what they need. But yeah, I think it's more of a an experience signing and, and things like that. So yeah, it's encouraging that they're able to bring these quality of players in as well. Yeah, it was just, I think, confusing for a few people that they're chasing Caicedo, who's you know a big physical sort of midfielder, and they ended up with Jorginho, yeah. like a whole different profile. Exactly. I can see the way... He would fit into the ball styling style system, so yeah, obviously he's top of the top of the league, and he's and he's there for a reason. So I'm not going to question him. <laughs> Fair enough. Arteta seems to be doing all right. We'll we'll, we'll give him a yeah, pass exactly. at the stage. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if if I grab your phone right now, mate, and had a look at your Spotify, what was the last song you played? The last song. I'm not sure actually, because on the way up when we carpool up to training, we actually listen to the radio and do the stuff quiz. So we actually haven't been haven't been doing um much music but yeah I think the boys yeah we like our stuff quiz in the morning um, so that's that's the latest go to in the car when it comes to music none really none none alright okay no yeah. music what, what what about TV then have you got a favourite show or film um, currently watching How to Get Away with Murder on Netflix um, something you're planning so that's <laughs> definitely not <laughs> not after watching the show at least but no nah, watching that at the moment um, but I enjoy my uh, I enjoyed watching The Witcher and that that kind of stuff so yeah a bit of a mixed bag but yeah at the moment watching that um, and yeah just a bit of anything that comes out but that's my current series yeah nice and uh, if you've got a if you've got a cheat day um, you know the Ufi's not uh, looking over your shoulder and you don't have to turn up to play tomorrow uh, what's your cheat, <laughs> what, what's your cheat meal mate what's your what's your guilty pleasure food only happens once a year if he's listening to this but it's uh, <laughs> it's probably a, a bit of a fried chicken burger with some chips on the side or a, or a a nice thick cheeseburger. Oh, mate, that sounds good. That sounds good. I tell you what, state doesn't of, happen often, but only once a year. Yeah, state of my abs, you can tell it happens <laughs> more often than it happens to you, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, before I let you go, mate, last question for you. Who was your hero growing up from a footballing point of view? Footballing point of view? Um, uh, hard one, actually. Probably looking back on it, loved watching Mark Viduka. Um Obviously, playing in North Croatian Heritage, playing with the Socceroos in that golden generation. And probably Luka Modric when I started to get a little bit older, just hearing his story and then the way he came through Dynamo and just went on to be the best midfielder in the world. Good stuff, Stephen. Thanks very much for your time, bro. Uh, best of luck over in Melbourne and uh, travel safe, eh? Appreciate it. Thank you for having me.
Time for a little Phoenix watch, and I thought we should uh, keep up to date with our man Ben Wayne since his move to the UK to join Plymouth Argyle. They're in League One, which is the third tier, basically, or third division. They are top of that league. They've played 28, won 18, drawn seven, lost just the three games on 61 points. Uh, they are three points ahead of Sheffield Wednesday, who have played a game less, uh, and those two teams meet this weekend in Sheffield. So that is a massive, massive game for uh, ben Wayne and his teammates from Plymouth Argyle. Uh, last time out, they beat Cheltenham by four goals to two. And Ben, it seems, has got a bench roll there. He's the last two games, that one and the one-all draw against Ipswich. Uh, he had about 25, 30 minutes off the bench in both of those games. So that's where his role is at the moment. But he is getting game time regularly. Uh, they had a one-all draw away at Ipswich, who are currently third in the league as well. Another one of their promotion rivals. So... Got to say, that is a good result for Argyle and for Ben Wayne, who's getting plenty of minutes at that level, which is good to see. Having a look at uh, other things around the A-League, uh, Grant Quall, who signed uh, for Newcastle United from the Central Coast Mariners and then was loaned to Hearts. He started for Hearts uh, against Rangers today. Uh, normally he's a striker, but they played him in midfield. Uh, didn't go particularly well. They lost 3-0. Uh, but maybe that is something that Newcastle are asking them to look at, turn him into a midfielder. That's where he played. He's still only 18, and he's uh, there on loan for the rest of the season. A couple of other Aussies who have played A-League and Kai Rolls and Nathaniel Atkinson uh, also there at Hearts. And looking at the A-League, for this weekend, the first game is tomorrow night, quarter to ten. The Melbourne uh, victory hosts the Wellington Phoenix. And I tell you, if you're a Phoenix fan, you'd be all over this. The victory are bottom of the league, but they're two dollar ten favourites. The Phoenix are paying three ten, and the draw is three fifty. I get that we're missing a couple in Tim Payne, Clayton Lewis, Scott Wooten, but still should be good enough to beat the victory on what we've seen so far this season. Elsewhere, Melbourne City big favourites against Macarthur. They're paying a dollar thirty six. The uh, managerless Macarthur six dollars four fifty on the draw there. Central Coast are two dollars. Uh, sorry, uh, outsiders against Sydney. Sydney are paying two dollars, but I'd get on Central Coast. They're Punching well above Sydney's weight at the moment. Central Coast are paying 3.30, and they're the away team. The draw is 3.50 in that game. Uh, and then the last game on Saturday night is Adelaide United hosting the Brisbane Roar. Adelaide United, $2 favourites at home, as they should be. The Brisbane Roar, uh, $3.30 outsiders. They got spanked 4-0 by Newcastle last week, and uh, yeah, things aren't looking great there. The draw is 3.40 in that one. And then the last game, which is Sunday, but it's uh, one of those games that they say it's Sunday, but it's actually Saturday night, really. It's half past midnight. Uh, Perth Glory take on the Newcastle Jets in Perth. They've got a whole run of home games at the moment because Perth started the season with eight away games. Perth of favourites, 225. Newcastle, three bucks. The draw, 320, which I quite like the look of. And finally, West Sydney Wanderers, $2 favourites to beat Western United, $3.30. The draw, $3.30. That is five o'clock Sunday afternoon. And that is uh, a look at what's happening around the A League and A League adjacent news for you, if you like. Uh, from Ben Wayne to Gohan Cool playing in uh, Scotland with Hearts. And then, of course, our odds for across the weekend. Enjoy. You're on Phoenix Nation, thanks to Oppo, and joining us now is Paul Temple. Paul, yesterday was named uh, the under-23 coach for the New Zealand men's team for two games against China next month. He's also, of course, the Wellington Phoenix Academy director. G'day, Paul. Congratulations. G'day, Ricardo. Yeah, thank you. It's exciting, and um, yeah, it'd be great to have those home games. Yeah, I guess for you, because we've got so many young players coming through at the moment, so many young players playing offshore, it's a, a, a bit of a sit down with Darren Baisley and figure out who you do have um, versus who he's going to call up. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, look, we haven't quite got into that stage yet, but I'm sure over the coming weeks there'll be lots of discussions about players. Um, and yeah, in the last few years, we've had a number of young Kiwis go overseas and play um, at some good colleges in the States. We've had some go into Europe and play, particularly over in Scandinavia. And of course, there's still a pretty young contingent um, at the Phoenix as well. So um yeah, there's some there's some players that are that are doing well in the A leagues and doing well in uh, in Europe and in America. So it will be uh, yeah, so we'll we'll cast the search wide and, and see if we can uh, get a group together that will will be exciting and yeah, as I say, just a great chance for those young lads to start being seen and playing some meaningful games before the uh, Olympic campaign and the qualifiers start. So I guess who do you look to in terms of uh, some. I don't know, a bit of a steer on how they want the game played, formations, styles, all that sort of stuff? Or is it very much up to you to do what you think is best? No, I think, like, uh, you know, we'll align with what the All-Whites are doing in terms of the preparation and and try and work cohesively um, as two teams, really. Um, it's similar to what you'd get in a club environment with a first team and a reserve team in many aspects. So uh, a lot of the stuff will be shared um, and I, I know that there's some really cool plans to kind of have the teams integrated in terms of hotels and meals and things like that so um, yeah it would just be a case of um, the 23s replicating a lot of what the All-Whites are trying to do principally and, and systems and, and things like that but obviously they'll be a different group of players uh, and we'll just we'll just work out kind of which players go into what team if they're, uh, if they're eligible for both I guess. Yeah, and from you, from your point of view as a coach, um, what does it mean? Because I mean, looking at the last few All Whites games we've seen, they've played effectively a three four three, right? Um, and and at the Phoenix, you you tend to play a a four two two two, as it, as it were. So a change of formation for you, something different to work on. Yeah, look at the moment the the Phoenix we're see playing a four two two two, and and have done for a. For a few seasons now, and you know that's his uh, his style, and it's very much imprinted on the A League team, and who are playing amazingly at the moment. And so, it is a bit different from that. But look, across the the number of years I've been in the academy, we've used pretty much every system of play you can think of. And um, of course, recently, you know, I spent a few weeks with Darren over in Tahiti with the under twenties qualifying for the World Cup in Indonesia, and so we used. Three four three and and the four three three as our sort of two systems over in Tahiti and worked together closely on on that for the uh, qualifying campaign. So I'm well across um, what Darren and the Whites have been doing up until this point. In terms of China, uh, how much do you know about uh, what you're going to be coming up against? I guess I'm going to find out a lot more <laughs> than I did at the beginning of the week. Um, so yeah, that, that's part of the job. And doing your homework and um, and doing your research into the teams that you're going to be playing against. Um, but obviously, we know that the countries that are in that um, Asian confederation, it's a really, really um, tough confederation in terms of their World Cup qualifying and their age group qualifying tournaments. Um, and so there's a number of kind of like really big, strong nations, large population bases, real um, football culture. Um, so but they're gonna they're gonna be a real tough challenge for us, which I think is awesome and um, and something that would probably attract more people to come and watch the games as well because uh, it's it's the all whites playing at home, but it's also always playing against like a top you know nation and 
and someone that will uh, that will give us a real technical game. Um, and so, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. But we'll certainly get to know a lot more about the opposition over the over the coming weeks as we sort of study the, the tapes and start preparing. Yeah, yeah, well, exactly. I mean, you, you know, China are the antithesis of the um, uh, sleeping giant, if you like, right? Mm, yeah, that's it. I mean, uh, they haven't always qualified for major tournaments um, because that Asian Confederation, as I say, is, is extremely strong. Um, but they are getting those like, high-quality games all the time. You know, they're really well-resourced in terms of financially, but also like just the population base and um, their domestic league. So, look, it is one of those countries, isn't it? I know there's been a, a few real big-name, high-profile European coaches going there and, and, and coaching the Chinese Super League, but also in the, with the national team as well. So, they're certainly looking to make waves in terms of that next step for them as a as a nation. So, um, yeah, underestimate them at your peril, I guess. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair point. Um, you know, they're, they're always there thereabouts in Asia, but they just don't quite seem to be able to to make it through to a World Cup. It seems to be the uh, the, the issue for them. Uh, although that will change. So, in a, in a way, there are parallels between New Zealand and China in terms of our football. Yeah, look, with the expanded World Cup process for the for the twenty twenty six edition and kind of beyond, I think um, all nations that are in that kind of tier where they're not regular qualifiers out of their confederations, but have been close before. They've, they're all now looking at campaign planning totally different, you know, because the door opens up a little bit more, more teams um, available to come and play in the tournament. And although I guess uh, we still don't know exactly what that means and how that looks, it's just given everyone a bit of extra motivation and renewed optimism. So a lot of countries around the world are going to be having that same approach, really, where they uh, they fancy themselves to uh, qualify for the next World Cup, just with there being more allocation of places. Now, we're talking a lot about, you know, the under-23s gig, um, but you do have the, the gig at Wellington as well with the Phoenix uh, running the academy there. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does that look like for you, given that those boys aren't playing currently? Oh, look, we um, we sort of just started back a few weeks ago, and uh, younger groups will start back after Waitangi weekend. Um, so it's kind of early days in the pre-season program, but, um, but by the end of March, um, particularly those older boys um, that may be involved in the new zone, the 20s, that perhaps, you know, trying to look at getting themselves into that 23 squad for those games, they'll be uh, well underway and have played a number of games by that point. So timing-wise, it's okay. Um, it's certainly not full season. In fact, the Central League, the National League season kicks off um, the weekend of the, the game in Wellington. So, um it's it's definitely a preseason um, moment, um, but yeah, look, it's uh, it's really exciting this year at the academy. We've uh, we've got our full girls integration program happening now, so we've got three sort of girls teams here on a full time basis from from next week, and so there's exciting things happening. There's uh, there's over 50 new players coming in, um, so yeah, we're growing, getting bigger, stronger, and. And um, yeah, it's just exciting times, like for that kind of the young talent in New Zealand. Yeah, I don't know what conversations you've had with New Zealand football, but given that you've got this academy job, if the opportunity to take the under twenty threes as a uh, you know full uh, full time um, past these two games came about, would you be able to balance both jobs? Oh, look, I think New Zealand football and the Phoenix have been you know trying to work collaboratively collaboratively across this space like for a number of cycles now because you see don't you quite regularly that um, some of the staff of the Wellington Phoenix 
first team and academy staff are involved in the national age group teams uh, under 17, under 20 level and all whites. So, you know, we did this all last year, uh, myself with the 20s. Uh, we've got Steve Common with the 17s, Roy Fallon with the all whites last year. So um, it's something that we collaborate on a lot. And I think it's um, it's good for both parties for us to have um, coaches in those, in those national team environments. So look, we're always going to make it work for the betterment of the national teams and for the Phoenix. Um, so, yeah, look, it's definitely something that I think can work. Um, the 23s, you know, my expectations at this point are just purely these two games in, in uh, the March window. Um, normally the 23s coach is linked in with the All-White's job, so I don't have any kind of expectations that um, they necessarily might be a separate position, but it's still um, a real honour to be, you know, part of that and to be working with those kind of calibre of players um, moving into that Olympic cycle and you know if, if New Zealand football believes that I can help and um, be a part of that then obviously I'd love to do that you know when the country comes calling you always want to to be there and to be able to kind of help um, in the best way possible so um, yeah I guess that's how I see it there's, there's not a huge amount of expectation at, the, at this point in time just go in and do the best job possible in in the March window and uh, and set those players up um, in a positive way and and play some good football against China and, and get that campaign started in, in a good way. Yeah, good stuff, mate. Well, uh, travel safe tonight. Enjoy your gig and uh, good luck with the gig with New Zealand football too, eh? Yeah, thanks. Cheers, Ricardo. From four, a couple of minutes away from the run home with uh, Kirst and Mitch. Mitch Savage is going to be in the hot seat for Beavers. I don't know where Beavers. He's chasing money somewhere else, doing something else. But uh, he's a busy man. Uh, so that is coming your way. If you've missed any of the interviews today, David Dome, the GM of the Phoenix, uh, very vocal about how poor the officiating in the A-League is. Uh, then go and check out the SCNZ podcast page. Uh, what he had to say was was quite enlightening. Normally those guys sit on the fence about that stuff, don't like to rock the boat, but he got stuck right in. Uh, it was a two-footer if you like. It was a two-footer from uh, David Dome. So you go check that one out. Also, Stevie Yagarkovic, uh, a really good Aussie talent, played for Croatia under-19s. Uh, he is now part of the Phoenix midfield. He was a great get for the Phoenix this season. Caught up with him ahead of the game against the Melbourne victory. And Paul Temple as well, the uh, academy manager for the Wellington Phoenix. He is now in charge of the New Zealand under-23s uh, ahead of their Olympic campaign for these two games against China in March as well. So all of those interviews are there uh, for you to go and check out on the SENZ page uh, for our all our podcasts. You'll see Phoenix Nation, you'll see the banner there to check out. And actually, it's on that, uh, if you missed it, I think maybe our friends at the TAB have made a minor mis- miscalculation because the Melbourne victory... Uh, uh, dead motherless last in the A-League at the moment. And the Phoenix are paying 3.30 to beat them this weekend. Uh, Victory are paying 2.30. I think somebody's got their odds swapped round. I'd be on that all day. No women in action this weekend. They've got the bye. So enjoy the men. That is tomorrow night, quarter to ten. Uh, we'll have a live commentary here for you on SENZ. Or you can tune in on Sky as well. And check out the boys as they go well. We'll be back again from three o'clock next Thursday for another Phoenix Nation. Up next, the run home.